Let's shift our attention now to uh, our neighbors, Zimbabwe, where uh, 3.5 billion US dollar compensation deal for assets and improvements, and not necessarily the land, uh, has been given to uh, white farmers who were dispossessed uh, of their farms in the late 90s and early 2000s. And many people have been asking the question, where is Zimbabwe going to get this money? Uh, or with the cash shortages and everything else going on uh, in that country. And uh, we have heard that this might come in by way of a bond, Nolwantle. What's happening here? So they're paying on raising financing um, through two means. Um, the first being, as you mentioned, um, issuing long-term bonds. And the second is, you know, getting international donors to, you know, come up with funding. So those are the two means of, you know, sort of the financing that they're going to use to carry out this $3.5 billion amount. <laughs> so, so yeah, and, you know, I can't help thinking, why right now? Is it something that could not wait until, so, I mean, you know, maybe... Do, do you see this as a confidence-building measure? I mean, uh, do, do you think that if... Um, some of these uh, sort of amounts of compensation are paid over, that um, many in the capital markets will be confident enough to subscribe to whatever debt issue the uh, Zimbabwean sovereign might issue in, in the near term. Uh, so, so is this part of some of the confidence-building measures that uh, um, indicate to all that Zimbabwe is open for business? So here's the thing, hey, maybe I'm a bit of a pessimist, and maybe since we're talking about corruption and the PE, um, maybe I'm going to be devil's advocate that, I mean, even if they get that money, I'll be, how sure are we all of us going to end up in the hands? You know, this could be easily be, you know, painted as something to to be part of compensation. Meanwhile, who knows where this money will end up? So because it's a huge amount of money. So, you know, and for, you know, about 4,000, for 4,000, um, you know, about 4,000, 4,500 people, farmers that were, were evicted, and 4,000, 3.5 billion, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of money. And, um, you know, and I understand that it's based on improvements, but if you do the math, um, were the improvements that were made really that much? So, you know, I can't help being a pessimist whether, you know, in terms of even if they do get that, you know, is it really the calculation of how this money came about? Will it be really, you know, sent, is it really just for, you know, recompensating farmers? Is it maybe going to be used to, you know, fix the government coffers somehow? Um, you know, those are the question marks I have um, looking at, you know, the sum. This yeah, yeah, it's certainly uh, an interesting one, and uh, we're going to follow what all of this is going to mean because uh, mm -hmm. I, I certainly don't, and I haven't heard in, in any of the implications of the reporting that uh, some of these uh, farmers are going to be returning to Zimbabwe, are going to be reinvesting in that economy or anything of that kind. And uh, mm. aside from maybe, as I said, a confidence building measure, I'm not too sure why, uh, uh, what the Mnangagwa government is trying to do here. Let's yeah. shift our attention from Zim now and uh, come. Uh, to uh, Cape Town. Two interesting stories coming out for me. One is uh, uh, the renegotiation of uh, the disposal of Burger King. Uh, many of our listeners would be familiar with uh, who that is. And uh, it's uh, operated by Grand Parade Investments here, uh, uh, which also has a stake in um, uh, the Spur Corporation. But they also had a stake prior to that in uh, Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins and uh, utter failure by any stretch of the imagination. And it seems I guess also by exiting Burger King here, that uh, the play for some of the globally recognized brands probably hasn't worked out as well for the uh, Cape Town-based holdings company as they would have liked. No, I mean, you know, even the ending of everything, you know, the founder had to be kind of 
kicked out of the, the board and, you know, activism came in through and they just kind of, you know, tried to get rid of everything. So it's quite sad how everything ended up unfolding. But indeed, um, you know, the ended up deciding they're going to divest of all foreign brands. Um, Starbucks and and Burger King, which was very excited, market very excited to hear they were coming to South Africa. I mean, when these both of these the first openings, they were accused to to all of them, the first election stores that were opened. So, but that only that filled out very quickly, um, and they struggled to even break even. So, unfortunately, in this kind of environment, you know, when you get through a sale of any kind of asset, um, you can be based on a multiple based on earnings. And two things can happen. Either the multiple can go down or up. So if it goes down, it means that, you know, it's worth less. Or the actual earnings number that it's based on could come down, which will lead to the number being down. So in this instance, because now, you know, they haven't been able to operate, the actual, you know, earnings numbers come down because of COVID-19. And because of restaurants on opening and they're still mm-hmm. owned. So, you know, every cent, they, every single cent made, it goes straight to, to the Burger King SA. Um, and as a result now, they're a fourth seller also ultimately in this environment and they have to take whatever price they can get. And sales so, so, can yeah, come in yeah. and look for the one. So, so there's also an interesting dynamic here because we know that Grand Parade Investments, um, least of all for this line of the operations, was also uh, vertically integrated. So they had a, a sort of a, a, a meat plant linked to that as well. I think Grand Parade Meat Foods or something like that. Mm. And they also yeah. uh, had a property company that also owned the property on which many of their Burger King uh, operations uh, uh, were located. Have all of these been sold? So actually, I mean, they only had, they only have actually, the, the Burger Kings aren't actually in their, up in their, in their operations. They're, it's already like one or something that's actually in their own property. Um, the meat plant also is part of that. So, you know, even the food meat plant there, um, I think they, you know, bought it for Burger King. And even that wasn't performing well because it was so reliant on Burger King. Um, the sales were reliant on Burger King doing well. So, but those two are also part of the sale agreement because now, you know, you've got those value chain and the logistics around there. And even that also, the value has to come down because obviously, in terms of its mm. output and its value will also come down. Yeah, yeah. No, the last one here mm. before we let you go. Uh, um, interesting tie up here between VNA Waterfront and uh, uh, the Treasury's Jobs Fund. And a 63 million rand incubator being set up here to do what? To have a food market, more burgers. Do we need more? Basically. <laughs> hey, you guys, you foodies love, you know, all these shifts are popping up everywhere. So clearly there's room for all sorts of burgers and everything. You know, there's a million ways mm. to make burgers these days, I see. Um, but yeah, this hey, is... I mean, um, yeah, look, no, I wouldn't mind uh, uh, having a lunch looking at all of the ships docking in at the waterfront. So if that's the big selling point, uh, then I guess it, it certainly might make a lot of sense. It's actually not for you, right? It's not for you, the, you know, the person who comes through to go for a bite. It's really targeted at the tourists. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. why, because I actually work in this, in this part of the, t- the building. It really is, because this is placed at the cruise terminal. And the cruise terminal of the waterfront is really like, you know, a bit, a bit, a bit off the, it's a bit of a walking distance from, you know, the activity of the actual waterfront itself. And it's really targeted for that, you know, that prime season of tourists that come in from the, from the cruises. And they come in in the masses, thousands and thousands and thousands. They dock up there. They come off the ships. They look hungry. They look tired, even though they're on a cruise. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I see them all the time. So, and, you know, the, and then they have this food market right there. 
And you, you have all these entrepreneurs coming there, showing South African flavors. First thing they do, as soon as they came out, you know, they can make money. Just to have a problem, check. Exactly. That's exactly. And this is specifically <laughs> what they're targeting. They're targeting to give South African food there as variety. So they're not looking for just a normal burger. You must have like a burger with, I don't know, it must have a Budavost patty with some South African flair to it or something or, you know. So they're really targeting to create, style. you know, uh. yeah. So it's supposed to, you know, target, you know, entrepreneurs um, and, you know, build some jobs and creation. And the only problem here is the, the seasonality of it, is that, you know, the the, 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 um, the cruise season is from October to April and then it's very dry and thereafter. And because there's so many, there's already other food markets at the waterfront itself. I mean, people who are looking for a, um, a, a food market are not going to come all the way to a cruise terminal for it. But otherwise, because it's creating jobs, it's it's a good thing. No hmm. wonder. We'll have to leave it there. I certainly, uh, the next time I have an opportunity to go to Cape Town, I'll go and check that one out and uh, go and mingle with uh, the very hungry and thirsty uh, uh, cruise consumers <laughs> who are going to be there eating Umgushonechek. Lulwandam Tumbe is an analyst and market commentator joining us for the first part of our business wrap. Going to take a break now. When we come back, uh, we catch up with uh, Batuka Mbelengwa. And uh, we're talking about some of the bolt drivers, 1,500 of them and some owners as well, who uh, switched off their vehicles on Monday, switched off their app as well, and left many commuters stranded uh, in their fight uh, over the newly introduced feature, which is called Bolt Go. We'll take a look at that in the next minute.